Hello and welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast. All right. Today is a fun one. Today we are really going to be bringing you guys really great content about the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. Basically, what we've seen so far so you guys can understand where we're at right now. What games we've seen. We've seen Game 1 and 2, the Golden State Warriors thrashing the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, beating up Luka Doncic. Um, and you got to say all that? Is that necessary? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Beating up the Dallas Mavericks. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you like that, uh, Luka Doncic. Was. <laughs> Uh, and the Miami Heat Boston Celtics series we just had an amazing game three where the Miami Heat took back home court advantage now they have a 2-1 series lead a lot of interesting things going on in those two series we're going to break down both of those series in depth for you and uh, anything else that comes up we'll talk about that as well sounds good yeah so um, are you ready to move which series do you want to talk about first Let's talk about my favorite series, Boston-Miami. Um, okay, okay. So what's your takeaway? Um, Boston has the ability to beat this team. We've seen it. We like, But from what I was seeing from those games is that they – my, the Miami Heat is a really, really, really good team, better team than what, you know, than what we've previously thought. Um, and – I don't want to sound like a hater because, like, I like Boston, but Boston won that game where they blew them out strictly because it was like a once in like million chance of them hitting that many threes. It, it like you're talking about my uh, game three, or are you talking no, about game, game three or game two? Game two, okay, game two. It like I saw so many threes go in. Marcus Smart was uh-huh. in sidestep, step back threes. Jalen Brown <laughs> was continue. <laughs> that okay he did hit one last night so don't do that um <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> jason tatum was pulling up over over it i mean no jalen brown was pulling up and hitting threes over bam Adebayo. <laughs> yeah he's pretty special jalen brown um i that like that's like a one i wouldn't say it's like a once in a lifetime thing but it was like mm-hmm. it's a one-off i still believe that they can win in seven um but it's gonna take a lot more because the Heat, they have a, they, they're similar to another team that we're going to talk about today. They have a lot of offensive weapons, and that's what makes it really difficult for those dynamic duo teams and for teams mm-hmm. that really depend on the top two players of their of their you know on their teams. Yes, yes. When you depend on the top two or top one player, I'm looking at you, Luca. Um, <laughs> there becomes a problem because uh-huh. if somebody can. If we can force 15 points out of a role player, then there's nobody right. to counteract that because everybody's used to watching the ball. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Not saying like the Boston yeah. has really has done that this year or this playoff. Mm-hmm. They really find found different role players to step up at different times, but mm-hmm. they're not their output never equals what the other team could really do. I mean, you might mm-hmm. have a great game from Grant Williams, a great game from Peyton Pritchard, but you're gonna get. 20 points from bam possibly you might get 20 points from victor oladipo you might get 20 points from tyler hero from preton pritchard grant williams you might get 15 to 18 points you might get 20 points from duncan robinson that's Mm -hmm. 80 points right there off the bench yeah it's scary it's very scary when you have players on your team 
who can score efficiently and at a high level, but they're role players. <clears throat> so now yeah. it becomes you is no longer. I think last year, right when we did the playoffs, we did like, oh, these people have it's the one and the two, the three and the four. No, nah, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, because that's how deep yeah. the team goes. Because it's mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Okay, then you look at Bam. Okay, Jimmy Butler. Okay, wait a second, Vincent. Huh? Hero. Wait, this is too many. Oladipo. Yeah. <laughs> I think people. I think people only really now being able to see, unless you're like a real big Miami Heat fan, Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent's a guy who's a really good backup point guard. Like, mm-hmm. I, there's so many guys that just like do their do their job at an elite level over there for Miami. So I completely under agree with where you're going with this. I just want to support your argument. Perfect. I appreciate that. And one more thing that I will say is that when you look up efficiency. Mm. <laughs> A yeah. big picture of Jimmy Butler appears next to it. <laughs> that man does yeah. not play outside of his game at all. That's a fact. I mean, like, we we talk old school basketball. No, this is Jimmy's basketball. This is his version mm-hmm. of basketball and how he's able to constitute wins mm-hmm. in the modern NBA. We would have never yeah. thought that a, a strictly mid-range scorer would be this great right mm-hmm. now 40 points and took one three and missed it yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> 40 yeah that's ridiculous that mm-hmm. that's that's unheard of right now so yeah. i think that <clears throat> this is a good time to kind of switch because we should not think of the miami heat even though they are they very they mimic an old school basketball team. We should not be calling them an old school basketball team because of the way that the NBA has shifted. We talked about this in the last podcast, and I would love to go back on this if you want to join me on it, Jay. Mm-hmm. Is that the NBA has shifted to a more big dominated game and a more ISO score kind of ball movement kind mm-hmm. of dominated kind of game. Look at the Golden State Warriors. It's not their threes. It's the way they can move the ball. That's old school. Yes. You know, like how many yes. passes are we going to get off? Think mm-hmm. about that San Antonio Spurs team. We've been moving toward it, but we've been ignoring it because the three percentage has went up. But yes. really, look how many how many people touch the ball. Look how, mm-hmm. look how the screens work now. Think yeah. about that. And then also, to point out to Jimmy Butler again, he does not play outside his game. That's a very efficient no, no, style no. of basketball that has really mm-hmm. – came out of the 80s and 90s of basketball they really mm-hmm. don't like if you're not a great three-point shooter you're not taking threes mm-hmm. you're living in the mid-range look at mm-hmm. jordan there's a lot of guys that live in the mid-range during that uh, era bernard king is somebody that who he kind of reminds great me of offensively. Gate, great yeah. mid-range shooter mm-hmm. he's known for it yeah alex english those yeah. he's, he's one of those kind of guys he's a really like he really takes skill within himself to the next mm-hmm. level, like those guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Meaning that you, you're not expecting Jimmy to, th- between the legs, 360 windmill. No. No, but he's going to, okay, wait a second. I could jab you here. I could take you off the dribble here. He's mm-hmm. looking at different ways and avenues to be efficient. He doesn't have to step back three, even though we've seen him do it a couple times. He doesn't have to sidestep three. We don't have you don't have to come off the roll and knock down a shot, even though he's clutch. He has a clutch thing. He can do that, mm-hmm. but he's really going to 
operate within what he's known for and what he's used to and what he knows he can get a high percentage shot. He really operates within that lane. He he plays like a big because bigs bigs of old have always played within the um within the paint within the high percentage shot area. Yes. That's ten to tw- that's ten to tw- that's ten to fifteen feet out or ten mm-hmm. to twelve feet out. That's where he operates, and that's yeah. where he's the most dangerous. You let him get in there, it's over. It's automatic. Yeah, he's he's an elite fit- finisher for real. Um, I completely agree with you that the game is moving that way. And you know, my my takeaways from this series, I want to start with Boston first. Is uh, I don't think it's over and out yet. I don't. I don't think. Even though I I chose the Miami Heat to win in seven, I'm not mm-hmm. like feeling super confident about them. You know, like it's going to be a good series. I knew it was going to be a good series. It's going to go back and forth. They're probably going to take Game Four. You know, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment just because they won Game Three. So, um, I really. I like what I'm seeing from Al Horford. Al Horford's really a phenomenal passer. He really is uh, being the veteran presence that this team needs, especially in the playoffs. And he's helping them so much in that aspect. Um, the The loss of Robert Williams hopefully comes back. Cause I, I don't want this series to go to a certain team just because the other team was not healthy, not 100%. That's, so, I want to um, add to I, That's exactly what it's looking like as well, especially with like all like the Boston Celtics have been hit mm-hmm. with injury bugs. So I'm just like saying that in support of what you're going through. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. And then so did the Miami Heat. I mean, Kyle Lowry didn't play, I think, except last game. Um, Jimmy Butler was out for the full second half of last game. Uh, yeah. They're saying he's going to come back next game. Uh, Marcus Smart has dealt with issues as well. Uh, so it, these two teams are hobbled a little bit to a certain extent. Uh, but, yeah, when I'm talking about the Boston Celtics, man, I, I, Jalen Brown is phenomenal. Jalen Brown, he, he might be – even though Jay Jason Tatum's more like flashy in his moves, Jalen Brown is just so gosh darn efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of those guys, man, who's really taken huge steps in the past two years, and it's we're really seeing it come to fruition this year. And you know, he's somebody that's got to be talked about to fifteen to twenty best players in the NBA. It, it, he's one of those guys, man, that's a dynamite with the ball in his hands. That His ability to do all the things he does is really impressive. Um, his shot creation, his ability to attack the rim, his ability to put pressure at the rim, His he really understands the game. Um, and when I talk about the Miami Heat, I really liked what I saw. That one, Duncan Robinson's touching the floor, finally. Uh, they definitely need his shooting. And uh, another thing that I really think was a huge difference when Kyle Lowry came in the game was the ball moved a lot more. I watched that game three and I was like, man, everybody's moving a lot more than I'm used to seeing. It's a lot of player movement. It's a lot of people cutting to the baskets. a lot of people getting backdoor cuts and getting buckets from those things. And they just seemed Kyle Lowry really puts that makes the, everything easier for this team. He's really integral, even if he scores less than eight to 10 points per game, because he fits into the scheme of the team, which is bulk possession, efficient offense and stellar defense. They want to play under a hundred points in a game. We're going to manage the game better than you. And he fits Mm -hmm. that to a T because he's such a veteran. He's such a great passer. Um, 
So I really, I really like what I've seen from Jimmy Butler as well. Tyler Hero really, even though he may not have dropped a ton of points last night, I saw a lot of drive and kicks where he probably added nine to twelve points just from his impact from being able to create space for himself um, and the defense having to react to him. So that it's really good to see Tyler Hero playing well, even though I think he should be getting more minutes and etc. You know, it's my only gripe with the Heat. Uh, Bam Adebayo game three. That was the best ga- game I've ever seen Bam Adebayo play. It was a defensive clinic like usual, but the man dropped, I think, almost 30 or 29 or something like that, multiple okay. assists. He really stepped up when Jimmy Butler was not on the floor as an aggressor to take the ball and try to score and just be that aggressive force that they needed on the floor. So it was a huge step-up moment. And um, another thing... Game three, uh, this is where I go on a little bit of a rant here. You know, I I was absolutely extremely upset by the referees in game three. All right, so let me describe to you the game if they, you weren't watching. First quarter, Miami Heat by or, or up by over 20. And basically, for the rest of the game... They let Boston get away with so many extreme things that they didn't let Miami get away with that it led to the game being closer than it should have been. This game should that this game was a six point difference at the end of the game, 109 to 103. This game should have been a 15 point difference. The reason why is because of turnovers. Now I'm sure you may you may like you know may not know that turnovers can really impact a basketball game, but it, it's one of the biggest impactors if it's a huge difference. And usually people are like, oh, the turnover difference was 14 to 9 today. It's going to make it a real impact on the game. Well, no, the turnover difference between these two teams were 9 for Miami and 24 for the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. They had ni- Miami Heat had 19 steals last night. 19 steals, and the Boston Celtics turned over the ball 24 times. Oh, and why do I think that the the officiating was terrible? So that shows you that this game should have been a blowout because of the turnover difference. They mm-hmm. shot very similarly percentage-wise, very similar in every other category. It's just that they turned over. The Miami Heat had 22 more possessions with the ball than the Boston Celtics. Like, that's a clear advantage. Okay, so why am I telling you this? Why am I upset about the officiating? Well, because before the last minute of the game, before Boston Celtics started fouling the shooters to try to get them to the line so they can try to get a three and try to, you know, the ticky-tack things that people do at the end of games to try to make a comeback. The Miami Heat shot six free throws, and the Boston Celtics shot 30. This this game was officiated extremely terribly. I mean, there was a lot of times, man, where I saw people get ran over. I I saw Jalen Brown basically be able to throw his elbow into whoever he wanted to. I saw Al Horford be able to extend his elbow on anybody who he wanted to. I mean, there were some seriously some times where you would see a foul call against Gabe Vincent for using his shoulder to try to create some space and, like, not really do it to, to an extreme extent. And then Jalen Brown, like, football, like, stiff arm somebody, and Gabe Vincent will get the call 
for against him for offensive foul and Jalen Brown to get two shots at the free throw line. Like it was really egregious and bad. I had I don't really talk about refereeing that much because I feel like, you know, everybody always talk about refs reasons can sometimes can be overblown. This is the worst refereed game I've seen all years. That's why I'm talking about it. You know, it's it's one of those things where you watch the NBA. It's like you you guys can't do this because it looks pretty sus. You know what I mean? Like, of course you want to keep the game close. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know if halftime those referees came in and said, oh, we're, you guys are missing these calls. You guys got to adjust them. I don't know what they did, but it was the most one-sided foul-called game I've ever seen. And they almost lost the Miami Heat this game three because of it because they had because the game became close. So I'm really upset at that. I I was it was really egregious. It was really really truly terribly officiated game. Um, and it just you shouldn't have to deal with that as a basketball fan. So yeah, that's my takeaways on game three. Um, <clears throat> well, one thing I will say is you know they did play in Boston, so they have home court advantage. So I mean you you said you said this yourself, and you know we've said it plenty of times on this on the you know on this platform is that. When you get into the playoffs, there becomes a le- there's a level of physicality that's allowed, but it should be allowed both ways. I will agree with you with that. Yes, but because it is home court, they they do get a little bit extra. And sometimes, you know, to the untrained eye, you know what I mean. These things may be missed, but to someone like Jason and I, you know, we would we would see these things, so we would understand mm-hmm. that there is a clear, um, one sidedness of it. Yes. Um, so- yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I, It was really terribly done. And the sad thing is it was, you know, I really love this series. This is my favorite series to watch because I really believe it's a great series. These two teams are so yeah. evenly matched. It's primetime TV. So I, I just don't want to that to be, you know, moved away from that. And also another thing is a guy didn't get a technical. His name was Peyton Pritchard. Have you seen the video of how Jimmy Butler hurt his knee? Mm-mm. Peyton Pritchard pulled him down and basically kicked out to his leg, and he didn't get technical. Wow. Nobody's talking about it like Jordan Poole against John ja Morant. That's not basketball. Uh, it was no. Peyton Pritchard was literally on his back on the ground. Jimmy Butler was dribbling away from him. To try to go score, right? And then that happens. Yeah. It was by far the most... Like, even the Dylan Brooks thing, that was at least more of a basketball play and didn't get a tech. It's not even in the media. Like, they really tried to crucify Jordan Poole, Dylan Brooks, Mm -hmm. but... Yes. This guy, he's just nothing. Yes. It's it's really terrible. That's where officiating gets really weird is because mm-hmm. of things like that. Like, I understand the, how the game is being played, especially with with you speaking on the one-sidedness of the, of the previous game. But it becomes really weird when some plays are text immediately. It's a tech, you know what I mean? And yes. we think, like, oh, dude, that's a basketball play. That's not a tech. Then other times mm-hmm. it's like, that's not a tech. And we're like, but God, that's a tech. That's not a basketball play. And then yeah. they're like, you know what I mean? And then it's like nothing. It, it's it's mm-hmm. not. There's no consistency in refereeing and in officiating anymore in the NBA. Yeah. There's no consistency whatsoever. 
I honestly I, I, would go ahead. I feel like a lot of these refs need to really go back and really watch basketball and learn the game again because they're, they're I don't know what they look what they're seeing anymore. Is mm-hmm. I literally I'll, I'll I'll just say it. You know, whatever. Like the refs are blind. They don't see everything, or they mm-hmm. just don't understand what's going on on the floor. And that's yeah. and then you have you have plays like Peyton Pritchard, like you said, where he kicked out his knee, and there's like normal continue like huh but dylan brooks yeah. going for the ball jordan Poole. well he didn't get anything jordan Poole didn't get anything but you know what i mean going for the ball it looks wrong but these are you know mm. and they're like well these probably are bad plays yeah yeah it, it it it's really bad uh i i think one thing that could be the future of the nba refereeing wise is there is limitations from when you have four people on a court i think it's four Four people mm-hmm. in a court and what somebody, what all of them can see. You know what I mean? So I, I could see in the future it just being somebody has those. You know, ESPN, the people who are, let's say, we're watching basketball, right? We have cameras that are wa- letting us watch basketball. I wouldn't be surprised if they put like four or five cameras above the, above the court at different angles. And it's just eventually done through that. Somebody runs a video monitor, watches it, right? And then makes a call. Yeah. Yeah, or like some sort of system that detects what a foul is and what a foul not is not. I prefer that because refs have been really emotional, and I don't really want to get into mm-hmm. this, but they've been really emotional lately, especially like mm-hmm. with that. What I think it was either this year or the year before that rest tech that he shouldn't have got, where he rolled the ball to the guy and mm-hmm. got him kicked off the court. Like that doesn't yeah. make sense. They're too yeah, emotional. I- yeah, I think that would also help with something that you're getting at is there's certain bias with certain players. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, stars do get more calls, but there's also a bias with, like, DeMarcus Cousins, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. You know those guys that talk to the refs, might have a little, little bit of too big of a mouth, whatever it is. Yeah, They're more prone to get texts. You know what I mean? Rash- Rashid Wallace, I think, is the all-time leader in texts. I don't know if DeMarcus Cousins broke that record or not, but it, yeah. I, I I definitely think that, I mean, it's impossible for a human being to be perfect. So, you know, I, I could see eventually us moving away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that too. It's yeah. Too much emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, right. man. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I I think the only other few things I could see from the takeaways from this series uh, before we move on is... Victor Oladipo is playing phenomenal defense on Jalen Brown. It's really impressive to see him guard Jalen Brown so well because he's just in his hip pocket. Like it's, it's, you know, trying to steal candy for Christmas or um, Halloween. I don't know, whatever you want, whatever analogy you want to use. He's like guarding Jalen Brown so well. And it's kind of been like, okay, PJ Tucker guards Jason Tatum really well, and Victor Oladipo guards Jalen Brown really well. And those two guys just do their job. I, mm-hmm. I think the health of Jimmy Butler is going to determine this series. Because if they don't have Jimmy, it's impossible for them to actually pull this off. Um, yeah, but I think we're going to go 2 2 into Miami. And I think Miami's going to win enough games because they have the two of the last three at home. I think I'm going to be right, um, but it's going to be a good series. How are you feeling about this series for the future and any other takeaways? I'm still rocking with Boston. I, I know what, what I said. 
I know what I said um, mm-hmm. about uh, the Heat, you know, having a level, uh, you know, an offensive input that can probably possibly cannot be reached. But I still believe in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They've shown me. And, you know, they, they have those games where they really, really, really show off. Yes. So. Jason Tatum can sometimes just take over a game. That's pretty yeah. impressive. So, yeah, I, I it's like a he, great series. Yeah, I feel like he got the mindset. So I, I'll still say Boston in seven. All right, all right. No, I th- I think, you know, this is, you know, even though they won game three and I was talking about the officiating, you know, it's hard to think about, oh, is Bam going to average 30 every night? Like, no, he's yeah. not. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when guys have those kind of games, it's hard to really imagine. And obviously, the Boston Celtics are going to have 24 turnovers every game. So it, it's it's going to, I think it's still going to be a good series. It's, it's going to be yeah. Bedlam in the streets. That was like a one-off. Just like that. I mean, they shot so many threes that game, and we're knocking them down. But um, mm-hmm. that was just a one-off. But I think that's the real playoff The real playoff series is about to start soon because they're 2-1. We're about to see a level of basketball that we've yet to see. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the Golden State Warriors versus the Mavericks series? <clears throat> the Golden State Warriors versus the Mavericks series, I don't want to switch. You know, I don't want to be, oh, he's a bandwagon there. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. sticking with the Mavericks. I'm going to live. I'm going I'm to do with the Grizzlies like I did with the Mavs. I'm going <laughs> to live and die with the Mavericks jersey on. Mm-hmm. With the Luka Doncic okay. number 11 right across my chest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I, I see what's happening. I understand what's uh-huh. happening. The Maver- the, the they're gonna they're I don't want to say it's it's gonna be a gentleman's sweep <laughs> five one five one I mean four one four one okay they're gonna gentleman sweep them they're Luca's gonna take one game and then they're gonna go back to and then they're gonna finish off an oracle and then place the Celtics in the uh I mean no no Luca's gonna take one game the Warriors are gonna finish them off an oracle and then take the game and then goes to the finals against the Boston Celtics, um, in my opinion. But here's why. Exactly what I was getting for getting toward when we were talking about the Miami Heat earlier is just that when there's a level of I wouldn't even call I mean like Clay is he's the one of the greatest role players ever. Let's just put it yes. out there. He's a he's a role player. When you can have something like that, like Luca dropped 40. <laughs> for it was like 42, 40 43 somewhere in there i was watching the end of that game he was knocking down threes the net wasn't moving he played his best basketball and still lost he think about this for a second he played his best basketball and still lost that should be very concerning for the dallas mavericks because when your best player plays Mm -hmm. their best their best basketball and it's not enough to overcome a team like this mm-hmm. i don't want to say hang up the towel because i want you guys to win <laughs> but it's you don't it's it's like in a in a one in a million chance you got like i mean it's like a one in a million chance of you taking the series at this point because they just have too much wiggins for one kudos to you doing a phenomenal job guarding luca 
even though he's dropping 40, you're doing exactly what you need to do as far as that. You're long, you're lengthy, mm-hmm. you're making the you're making it a little bit harder for him. Mm-hmm. Who could drop 40? 40 plus. Mm-hmm. Clay dropped 15 <laughs> at the end yeah. of the game. It's it's it doesn't they it's not the problem with the Dallas Mavericks is they don't have enough. With the problem that we saw before, you know, even before, you know, knowing that Jalen Brunson, you know, was a great, I mean, not a great basketball player, who was a decent basketball player on the Dallas Mavericks, was that we kept saying that Luka just doesn't have the correct amount of help on his team. He has mm-hmm. decent help, but not help to the level of the Golden State Warriors. You look at the Golden State Warriors, they have damn near 1 through 12. <laughs> I tried to tell you. <laughs> When you have so many players on the court who could just at any moment have an offensive explosion and their name mm-hmm. not Curry, <laughs> yes, year it's it's scary, it's scary, yes. and all you have yes. to you have to pray. <laughs> you know what Luke is going to do, but you have to pray for Jalen Brunson. But like, okay, I'm gonna drop 30, 40 this game. Like, you have to pray yeah. for it. Yeah, you don't have to pray for Jordan Poole to drop 30. You know what I mean? Like, that guy... That guy is so special. I mean, it is... He's such a perfect fit in that scheme because of the way he shoots, the way he moves off the ball, his shot creation ability. You can definitely tell that that man's been working with Steph because there's a Mm -hmm. lot of similarities into the way they move and the way they shot great. So, um, he, he doesn't have quite the range... As Steph yet, but you know, kudos to him for being a grinder. You know what I mean, a workaholic. Uh, you know that's 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 something that's just so hard to, to scout coming out of college. Who knows that Jordan Poole is gonna work his behind off like that to become mm-hmm. like Steph Curry in the way he moves? Like nobody could have guessed that, unless your name is Jordan Poole or, or you know him that well. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, that's a great thing and. Yeah, man, the Warriors, the Warriors are the best team in the NBA. This is Easily. there's different this is they're different tier of teams. And basically some teams are NBA championship level teams, but they're not like super strong NBA championship level teams. They're like the mm. teams that won it in the 70s most of the years. Like Rick Barry and his Nate Thurmond uh, that's a little bit of an older reference. People may not get that one. Um, Tim Duncan yeah, and an exactly. aging, aging David Robinson. That team wasn't that amazing, but it yeah. was pretty good. That's the kind of team that the Miami Heat is. The Boston mm-hmm. Celtics are. Where they're NBA championship level teams, but they're just not high tier NBA championship level teams. I can make an argument that this team's better than the 2015 Golden State Warriors. They got the same top three, except you added the nuclear weapon known as Jordan Poole. You know what I mean? They got Andrew Wiggins. We have Andre Iguodala. No, no. Andrew Wiggins. We have Harrison Barnes. You have Andre Iguodala. Oh, we have Jonathan Kaminga, Otto Porter. We both have the same centers. You know what I mean? At Kevon Looney, Kevon Looney. I think they had Andrew Bogut, maybe. I think Andrew yeah, Bogle was still the guy there, but Kevin Looney, Andrew Bogle, you know, really close. Yeah, like, too. yeah, that team, the year after that was the 73 and 9 team. 
same exact roster. Just a year, another year built together. So this is like how high tier of the team this is. Like I've told you before, this is the greatest three guard rotation of all time. It is. Look, look, you could put MJ and Ron Harper and Steve Kerr. No, like, no, like, no, you know, we got, you know, <laughs> Kobe, Derek Fisher and some smush Parker. No, <laughs> like no. you, you got the all time guards usually don't have like other guys who are going to be in the hall of fame. Like there's three hall of fame guards. One of them might be the best point guard of all time. The other one is the great, could be the, arguably the greatest three and D individually three-point shooting in defensive two-guard of all time because guys like Reggie Miller and Ray Allen couldn't guard like that, right? Yeah. So he might be the greatest that of all time. And Jordan Poole is in the conversation with James Harden to be the best player I've ever seen come off a bench at whatever their skill set was, Manu Ginobili. And I, mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I know people maybe think I'm crazy, but I'd rather have Jordan Poole right now than any version of Manu. Because Manu can't drop 40 in a game in on the Orlando Magic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just a different tier of Jordan Poole that can, he yeah. can get hot from. Like, that's how historically relevant these three guards are. And they're all healthy at the same time. Now, you know, Clay might go downhill a little bit more and all those type of things year after year after this. But this is a rare convergence of old mixed with new talent, young talent, and they've converged. We rarely see this happen where, you know, Steve, you know, uh, what am I thinking of? Tim Duncan, right, when he's winning rings in the early 2000s, he's starting to age where he's like a 20 and 10 guy. Tony Parker becomes Tony Parker where he's like a top five point guard in the league, and we get Kawhi, and now our team can make a second run. That rarely Uh happens. You know what I mean? Young talent rarely reaches reaches the old talent to win rings together. Look at Larry Bird. Look at Larry Bird. Larry Bird had Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. And then year 10, he had Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. You know what I mean? It went downhill. You know, Len Bias was supposed to be that guy that bridged the gap. But, you know, it's a sad story. You should watch some YouTube videos on that. He's he's a great what-if story. Uh, Even Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, I have Kareem, James Worthy. I year 10, I mean, Kareem's old, but I still have James Worthy. And I still have Byron Scott, who was the guy with the mustache that I forgot last last podcast. New Orleans Pelicans coach was on ESPN. Uh, Same guys, same guys. You know what I mean? Like, it's rare for a team to have to be a dynasty, to be the super team that the Warriors have been. And to get young talent infused in it to kind of like lengthen its ability to be great. And um, this is a convergence of all these guys still being in their prime, even if some of them are at the end. You know what I mean? Dre's yeah. at the end. Steph's at the end. Clay's at the end. But it's, this team's scary. This, I mean, I'm sorry, Dallas. You know, I'm, I lived in the Dallas area I, I you know I I really like living over here, but it's it's over. Like like you know this is a great um you know feel good story. You made it to the Western Conference Finals, but you're probably not gonna do it next year unless your team improves because Jamal Murray is gonna be healthy. Story. 
Kawhi, Paul George are going to be healthy. LeBron and Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis will probably have somebody that can actually put a team together next year. Um, so, you know, I'm sorry, Luku, but unless your team gets a lot better, it's just not going to be the same. It's just a lot of high-tier talent in the West next year. So, um, you know, we should take in Luka Doncic as that guy. He is so special. So special, so special, so special, so special. The fact that he dropped 42 last the other night, the dude's ridiculous. Um, the team needs more talent. You know, this it's no hindrance on them. But, you know, when your best three players are all guards, and I just told you that this is the greatest three-guard rotation of all time, I, it's, just, it's not a competition. You guys can't be close. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's... For me, it's going to be Warriors versus Heat, and it's going to be a great series. Um, so what do you think about – well, do you still think – the okay, your NBA championship after watching a few games in is going to be what? Warriors Celtics. Okay, so who do you think is going to win? Warriors. Okay, how many games? Six. Yeah, I could see that. I could see the the – the Warriors, Draymond Green, Andre Godala, not Andre Godala, uh, Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins give them issues. And Clay Thompson, 6'7", 6'7", 6'9", and rotating in with Otto Porter. That's a, they have a lot of wing depth for his team like that uh, since they used to be built to stop LeBron. Um, I'm going with Warriors and Heat, and I think that he had a really great matchup for them because Bam... It's so positionless and moves so well um, in space. But the Warriors just have that extra gear of offense, man, that the Heat just can't play with. And the Heat can look a little anemic sometimes offensively. It's just they just don't have enough. So I I thought about it before, but I'm sticking with Warriors in six as well. This is this is the team. This is their NBA championship to lose. <clears throat> I would say that as well, and don't we can't forget that this is the same Warriors team that lost by forty <laughs> to the Memphis Grizzlies. But it's like it's never happened because we don't even like it happened. We talked about it and it went away. Is because they yeah. they play so phenomenally, mm-hmm. so they do have a I guess a gear mm-hmm. where they will kind of take a backseat. Yeah, that's that happens sometimes. But just don't underestimate that because they will come back out like it never happened. Yeah. They're, they they have so many veteran presences in that locker room that it's it's a scary team, man. It's 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 I mean, we what's this? If that happens, how many rings is that for Steph? Is that four? four? Is it four or five? Because he 2016, 2017, 2018, four. I guess. Because they yeah. lost against the uh Raptors. The Toronto Raptors led by Kawhi Leonard because they were all hurt. Yeah. Literally except Steph. Yeah. Yeah. I would Man, that would really cement this team as like the team of this era. I re- already think they really are. Uh I really I really think that this is a team that has to be put in the same breaths as those Larry Bird, Magic Johnson teams. You know, you can put them in the same breath with the Chicago Bulls, 
you can uh put them in the same breath with uh um teams like the Boston Celtics and them you know those type of things that have made had great runs over a long period of time so uh yeah i Lakers. i uh, yeah and the Lakers and uh i really think that the Golden State Warriors what do you think does this ring when it happens change any of the legacies of any players that's a good question i have for you on the warriors mm-hmm. i wouldn't say so mm. only because for the simple fact that a lot of these players you know top three players on the warriors team who are they draymond green clay thompson instead you know instead these mm. guys have their legacy cemented clay will go down in history as the second greatest shooter of all time yeah. In my book, you know, he will go down in history as probably the best defending shooting shooting combo guard, you know, because in history, mm. he will go he like Draymond will probably go down as the greatest defensive player, period, you know, like or top 10 defensive player, yes, there, period. There you go. I there you go. On top one. 10 defensive player. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Top 10 defensive player. Steph Curry will go down as the greatest shooter of all time to ever touch a basketball to ever lace him up. That's a fact. At this point, their accolades, I mean, are rings are a byproduct of their already growing list of accolades. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just a byproduct of of great basketball. You're yeah. a great team. You're greatly put together. You win rings as you as your legend grows. That's basically what it is mm-hmm. right now. So I don't think it does anything for them. And the, for the role players on the team, I don't think that really does anything for them as well because there it doesn't really show. Let you can lead a team. It just shows that you can actively play on a team and contribute to wins through through however you may play basketball. You know, mm-hmm. like through however however you contribute on the floor. It just says that that that's, that leads mm-hmm. to winning basketball. You may you know when you come trade deadline, you might get a extra, little bit extra money thrown your way. You want you know somebody might give you a max to kind of slowly put you into the starting lineup or however that may go. But really, the top three guys. Cemented. Yeah, I I completely understand those things and agree with you on those things. Um, so there's a lot of people that be that are talking about certain things that are going on during this off season and things um, that people are asking a lot of questions about. Teams that just missed those playoffs. So DeAndre Ayton, does he get the max from you, Chris? Does he get the max? I mean, he's showing like he can, he can, you know, he's showing that he's he's getting a little bit better. But I don't think he's max contract better. I mm-hmm. I think we throw him a little bit extra money and try to keep him around, but he has to show he has to really really take that step forward. Mm-hmm. I'm st- I'm still reeling from the from the Giannis beating from last year. So mm-hmm. like you have to show me something for me to pay you. Yeah. Yeah, I I personally think that they might be forced into it because they really just want to win next year, right? They want to try to put all the chips in the table and you know, you have CP3, you have D-Book and they want to go for it, um want to be aggressive. I personally think that 
they should use DeAndre Ayton as leverage to go get somebody else. So go mm-hmm. sign DeAndre Ayton. He's a good enough player to warrant his contract with enough upside that makes teams at least think, okay, that's a contract I can handle on my books. And then go make a push for a max player. Go put in all your chips in the table. Go sell. You have three small forwards. You don't need all of them, right? You can go sell Mikhail Bridges. You can go sell Cam Johnson. You can go sell those guys. Put them in the package with DeAndre and put some picks in there. And go get yourself a blue chipper and actually build a big three. A legitimate mm-hmm. big three. And then then, then they might have something here. Um, so that's my takeaway from DeAndre. And that's what I think the Shuns should do. And that's what I would do. All right, go get Cat. Yeah. So another player that's being talked about is Zach Levine apparently wants to go to the Lakers. What do you think about if that actually happened? And do you actually think that somebody like that would want to make that move? I don't see why not. Um, I, I mean, <clears throat> the point of him going to the Lakers, and if they would, and you know, that's just speculation, and you know how management in the Lakers is, they don't, <laughs> terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It would make the team younger, for one. Yeah. Um, you could start trying to build a future because Zach Levine is legit like that. He's shown us mm-hmm. that he's grown and that he's elevated his game. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, get rid of get rid of some of the retirement home and throw Zach Levine in there and build a future. It, I mean, like, yeah, you want to win now, but I think I think he's ready. I think that you know, it, what do you need for LeBron to succeed? Shooters. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Dear goodness, would this be a, a blessing from god himself like zach levine in so many ways solves all their problems he has a max contract so you can get rid of russell westbrook in the deal and go send some nice you know first round draft picks whatever you gotta do if the bulls have no leverage and they have to sell zach levine to the lakers or trade zach Mm -hmm. to the lakers (coughs) but basketball wise like the the perimeter shot creator is the best compliment to LeBron James. And mm-hmm. that's what Zach Levine does in spades. They don't need him for his passing ability. That's LeBron James. He can handle the basketball game. If they're a healthy next year, those are that's that's a that's a serious team. That's a serious mm-hmm. team. Um so if that does happen, I will jump over a chair. I'll be so elated. I don't think it Eight. will. Go ahead. Can you jump over your podcast chair on the podcast and we record it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can jump over this chair. Uh, you know what? I might buy one of those. Have you ever had little sisters before? I don't know. No, I'm the youngest. Okay, well, I had little sisters and they would have Barbie doll houses. So what I would mm-hmm. do is I would buy one of those Barbie doll chairs, one of those tiny ones, and I'll jump over mm-hmm. that. I'll do that out of the That's podcast. not, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'd no. jump over a chair. <laughs> no, your podcast here is what we want you to jump over. Uh, you know, after reviewing your proposal, I have decided to jump over my chair. That's a Barbie doll chair. <laughs> That's not your chair, though. <laughs> well, I bought it, so it is my chair. I guess. <laughs> 
What about the uh, three candidates for the Lakers job? Apparently, people are talking about those candidates. Uh, one of them's Kenny Atkins. The other mm-hmm. one is uh, Devin Harris, I think, a former NBA player. And the other one is Terry Stotts, or Scotts, the old Portland Trail Bears coach with Dame and CJ. From those three guys, who would you go get? Ooh. Um crazy mm-hmm. what team did kenny atkinson come from he was the brooklyn nets coach when they had d'lo and they made that run when they were actually good a little bit it's between kenny atkinson and devin harris for me really you don't think Starry scott's why i as far as they ever i mean yeah they ran into um you know into the golden state warriors every year but mm. that's that. I mean, that team they gave they put out the same team every year, and it mm. hasn't been anything special since. Um, I mean, I mean, I guess I could, but I just feel like if they run into the Warriors, he has no game plan for Steve for Steve Kerr. Like I don't think he could do anything with that. And mm. I, I'm starting to see now that in most cases, not in every case, get me right now, in most cases, those who have played the game have a better understanding of the game as a coach. Yeah. Listen, not Steve looking Nash. at Steve Nash, <laughs> not looking at Steve Nash, but looking at Steve Kerr. Yeah. I, I, I could see that point where, you know, those, those people who have been in the game can really make a good breakdown and lead a team really well. Um, So I, I will go with either one of those. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, you really what you have to do, and it's crazy that this has to be said, but it does say something to the level of superstar that you have on that team. You have to have a coach that LeBron believes in. Yeah. And my answer to that is the other one that's on your list. It's Kenny Atkins for me. What he did with the Brooklyn Nets that last year, he had them playing together as a unit. He he had real buy-in. He maximized what that team had. Um, I really feel like out of those guys, I would say he's a top anywhere from 10 to 20 coach in the NBA. He's just not in the NBA just because of situation. Uh, so I would go run to Kenny Atkins and say, please, Mr. Atkins, will you take this job? in <laughs> 5.4 seconds you know i would think right. about terry scott's because you know i'm a steve curl uh f- fanboy and he's he's on that bench right now he's an assistant for steve Kerr right now so mm-hmm. um those who those are some players that i would say uh so also an, an interesting head coaching hire that was made um available last week was mike brown he went to the Kings. He just hasn't gone there mm. yet because he's the GSW, uh, Golden State Warriors defensive coach. What do you think about the Kings getting him? And that'd be pretty interesting. Um, he's not the same Mike Brown that we had in Cleveland. So mm-hmm. yeah. So as long as you know, as long as that's not who he is anymore, and he's actually learned something and you know improved mm-hmm. coaching wise, you know besides just coaching great players, then yeah. that might be fun to watch. Yeah. I agree, man. I agree. I I think I think that 
having De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, they're such great passers. So there is real upside into the Golden State Warriors offense being executed over there. I don't really think Luke Walton was really doing all those type of things. He wasn't really just a good coach, to be honest with you. He's just, I don't really think he has a feel for it. Um, But I could see that working with him. He's been on the bench for them for, I mean, dear goodness, it might be a decade or something along those lines of he's been there for a while in Golden State, maybe eight, seven years, if I'm going to guess. So um, I'm going to go with that from my takeaway. I really love it for the Kings. And uh, my next question to you is Pat Bev went on ESPN, said some crazy stuff about Chris Paul, where Chris Paul's being a cone all those type of things. What do you think about what Pat Bev said about CP3? And what's your quick takeaway from that? Patrick Beverly wishes <laughs> he could be who CP3 is. <laughs> Point God. Mm-hmm. Remember that. This is one of those guys who have really shown, mm-hmm. shown. Yes. yes, he may not have won because, you know, he's the other team's getting his way, and he's really good at elevating players, as you've said before, and this is a great point. I'm just going to get back to what Jason said previously, was that he has a great ability to elevate players and make them look better than what they are. Mm-hmm. And then when when they don't play to that level because the playoffs get a little, reach an extra level, then it's like, wait, now, is it the team that sucks or is it CP3? Is CP3 mm-hmm. not a winner? But no, CP3 is a winner. He plays a winning style of basketball. Yes. Just because you... <clears throat> Go <laughs> and growl at people all day on defense does not make you a great defensive player. Yeah, does not mean you're on the level of CP3. Don't ever, <laughs> because I remember specifically that you'll be on an island sometimes getting torched. So don't do it. <laughs> yeah, especially by people taller. Um, so I I really think that he hurt himself in my opinion. I really feel like he wasn't doing was doing a pretty good job before he said those things so i feel like yeah. it was a negative step in him trying to make that step when I mean, players do stuff like this because they're interested in the idea of being on espn nba tv doing whatever after their career's done look at draymond green um so it's a negative thing for him from that standpoint because it just doesn't look good uh so i really do think cp3 though is especially when he was at his peak man could defend the lights out the ball like he's a multiple time all-time defender to come for a guy who's just aging like that it's just it's no reason for it so i would disagree with what he said um so the next one is and the last thing we're going to talk about before we close it off is another thing that's been pretty funny talking about this week is jj reddick said that bob Cousy was playing in an era against handymen and a lot of people are, you know, making their takes off of Bob Cousy. They were talking about greatest point guards of all time, talking about CP3. And there's been a lot about a, a lot of talk about it. So what do you think about Bob Cousy, that era, guys being plumbers, you know, him saying that nobody before the year 1980 wasn't good? Um, what do you think about that? Um... I think during Kuzi's era, 
I think a lot of those guys were plumbers in handyman. They weren't true athletes as they are, you know, in the 80s, 90s, and going forward. Um, but I wouldn't say that prior to the 80s, there wasn't any spectacular talent. Bill Russell came out of that era. Wilt Chamberlain came out mm-hmm. of that era. You saw um, Jerry, Jerry West. Um, Luau Cinder. Um Yes. What's what's the what's the point guard name? I can't think of it. Oscar, uh, Oscar Robertson. Robertson. Oscar Robertson. You know, like Dave Bing. Yeah, Dave. B- these got George Gervin. Doctor J. Doctor J. You can't. You can't. I mean, I, I listen, JJ Redick. I respect you for sure. Mm-hmm. As a as an analyst, as a basketball mind, I respect you. Um, but you can't say that because there's great players that came. Prior to the '80s, I mean, yeah, you can like at the beginning of the basketball, yeah, they were plumbers and handyman because you know this was a very new sport. But as the time went on, actual mm. athletes start popping up in the NBA. We, we can't discredit what what's been done. Pistol Pete Maravich came on. We can't discredit. We can't discredit those who came before the '80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that the just this is this is such a something that I hate about basketball talk is these broad statements like this get used just so often. It's ridiculous. Like people saying, you know, even though we're talking about 1960s, 1970s guys from that era might say, Oh, those guys in the two thousands, 1990s, they couldn't play our toughness. They couldn't play with our physicality. Anybody after the year 1980, they couldn't play in our era. Right, they'll say the exact same thing in a different way to the other people. Blanket statements where they put things to an extremes, right? And where it's just not true. The true fact is, those guys could play. Is the average basketball player by a gazillion miles? Yes. Is most players better now? Yes. That's the honest tr- truth. Is there certain part parts of those guys' games that are ridiculous? Yes. Have you seen Bob Cousy and Peace Pistol Pete Maravich handle the basketball and pass the basketball? They're some of the most fun people you will ever see. See, you'll see behind yeah. the pack passes. You'll see fake passes. You'll see passes that you don't even think make sense. Those little random Pete Pistol Pete Maravich used to be able to take his hand and just like move it like he's like Iron Man. He's got lightning shooting out of it. Like he's it's yeah. it's just ridiculous. You know, like. These guys really were gifted. I mean, guys, I mean, we're talking about the top, top, top tier guy. Wilt Chamberlain is better than anybody that's playing it today. Now, some people may not may disagree with me, but how about watching a guy that's seven foot one, has what, a seven, eight wingspan, can dribble the basketball, does he went when he got out of college, he went and played for the Harlem Globetrotters. So he could literally be on the fast break hit a fake pass going this way and pass it that way in the fast break. No look passes. Dribble the handle of the basketball, had an unstoppable post fadeaway, and could touch the top of the backboard. Freak of nature that makes Giannis look human. He's Mm -hmm. more athletic version of Giannis running up and down the court. He looks like the Flash. No, that era was not overly weak. It was just behind skill-wise, and yes, the average player was much better today, but there's some Jerry West. I mean, that, dear goodness, would he fit in today's era. That man had a strap on him 
he mm-hmm. had crossovers. He had, you know, easy step back side steps. He had a great fadeaway. He was highly skilled. Great passer. Really phenomenal player. Like, you know, Dave being really was before his time handling the basketball crossover, tiny Archibald, the man averaged 30 and 10 in a season. They tie the crossover, make great passes, get to the basket, finish around the rim. Those guys would be amazing today with spacing. They didn't have spacing back then. They had three people in the paint just sitting there because they weren't that skilled from shooting that far out. You know what I mean? So it's just, I mean, Kareem, don't even get me started on Kareem. Kareem still would be the best player in the NBA today too. Like those guys will dominate the 60s and talent-wise. I know people, Bill Russell dominated winning, will dominate talent. Kareem dominated the 70s. Both of those guys are better than Giannis is right now, better than Luka is right now, better than LeBron is right now, not his peak, right now. Mm-hmm. Like, these... Th- what are we talking about here? You Because when you say stuff like that, you make a broad stroke. And you completely yeah. just disregard everything. You know what I mean? When we don't look back at the past, we don't learn. We don't know what great players did before us. You know what I mean? Like, it... Those... Those guys, there's some guys, there's some dogs in that era. Pistol Pete Maravich, Bob McAdoo. Like, Bob McAdoo was a six foot nine version of the stretch four before his time yeah. dribbling the ball, hitting great mid range shots, averaging like 30 a game. Like, uh, it's, uh, you guys, no, no. Who, I, they weren't getting a paid enough money. That's why they were plumbers. You know what I mean? But. Mm-hmm. I, could every player beat everybody else? No. Is Bob Cousy yeah. gonna be, you know, better than CP3 in this era? No. Right. But no. there are some top tier guys that would be better than a lot of guys in this era. And I've even mm-hmm. heard Bill Russell being talked about like not being in a in a, on a roster. Bill Russ Bill Russell's a better version of Bam Adebayo. Pass six foot yeah. nine, guard everybody on the floor. He's just more athletic. So imagine Bam, but better. 2.0 Bam is Bill Russell. Like, <sighs> uh, you one go thing ahead. I will say, yeah, one thing I will say with this is that it happens way too often in our favorite sport is that to uplift one, you have to push down the other. Yes. But a lot of these guys, when they speak, because mm-hmm. they, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure that they, it's just what they believe, but it's all in general generalizations. Because say if you were to see somebody from the 50s, right, and you would ask him who's the best basketball player, he would probably say Bill Russell, Bob Cousy. 50s. You know, because he's he's seen those eras. He would only be able to speak on what he's been, of what he's seen. J.J. Mm -hmm. Reddick can only speak from what he's seen. He's, I mean, I don't know if he was born in the 80s or 70s. I don't know exactly. Mathematically speaking, it's probably 1980s. Probably this. 1980. Yeah. He probably grew up watching the players in the 80s and was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Larry 90s, Magic. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan yeah. comes out. You know what I mean? Oh, this is amazing. You know what I mean? Oh, now I'm here. You know, like he can only speak from experience. A lot of these guys yeah. speak from experience, but they're not looking at the, the whole picture. The yes. whole picture is that before the 80s, there were great basketball players. That's the entire yes. picture. You cannot discredit the people that Jason have mentioned as far as Pistol Pete Maravich, Will Chamberlain, Bims. Jerry West, Nate Thurm, I mean not um Tiny Archibald, um Dave Bing, mm-hmm. uh 
Hondo. You can't dis- you can't discredit these guys. Uh, no. Kareem, Oscar Roberson. You can't discredit them. George Gervin. You cannot. Doctor J. You cannot discredit. I didn't even name Doctor J. Yeah. They've paved the way for the players in the eighties. The, yes. These these players that came fifties to seventies before the eighties. Yeah. These are the prototypes for the, what you see later on. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are prototypes. Jerry West is James Harden's prototype. Good passer, great perimeter shot creator. You know what I mean? Bill Russell's, Ben Wallace's, and Bam Adebayo's prototype. Will Chamberlain is Giannis's prototype. The only real prototype of Giannis is Wilt because of the stride, mm-hmm. the athleticism, the straight line athleticism. They just do it in different ways because Wilt had more post skill. You know what I mean? Like guys like Tiny Archibald and Dave Bing are a lot like modern guards. Think of De'Aaron Fox, those quick footed, good passers, guys can get to the basket and finish. Like Isaiah Thomas, those those are the kind of guys. These guys lead into what we're seeing today. Doctor J and David Thompson, those guys flew in the air, flew. When I first watched David Thompson, I was like, "Wait, did I actually put in a Michael Jordan highlight? Like, <laughs> he flies like that? Like, no, trust me, yeah. it'll take you point three, four, five seconds to realize David Thompson." gets called the nickname Skywalker for a reason. He walks on sky. Right. Okay. I um, <laughs> <laughs> like guys like D Wade, guys like MJ, you know, Zach yeah. Levine, those high flyers, Clyde Drexler. They all come from Dr. J and David Thompson. Like all these guys come from another guy. You know what I mean? That's a great point that you brought up. They should be respected. And it's something like this. It, it's out of pocket, out of pocket for sure. Yeah. One thing you did you didn't mention was, in my opinion, and I think you would agree with this opinion, is that Pistol Pete Burke, Steph Curry. Oh yes, especially when it comes to creativity, <laughs> people don't understand yeah. how ridiculous Steph is, and and you, I, even another guy like that is Kyrie. Like where Pistol Pete might be the most skilled player of all time because of the way he handled the basketball and the way he shot and the different things he could do passing the basketball. It's like watching an and one mixtape. And extremely, it's like Jason Williams 2.0, except he's really yeah. an actually like elite basketball player. Like Jason Williams was fun to watch, but he wasn't ever an all star. He does, didn't ever lead, even lead the league in scoring like Pistol Pete Marriage did. So yeah, it, it's it's he's in the creativity and the way he plays. Yes, it's like Steph and Kyrie, where they're just so ridiculously skilled. So yeah, these these guys birth. The newer guys, I completely agree with you, Chris. The thing is that if there was a three-point line during Pistol Pete Maravich's time, oh my he God. would be an all-time leading scorer. <laughs> the man all-time sh- leading scorer. I think the three-point line came on later in his career that just didn't yeah. implement it. I think one year he yeah. shot like 80 or 70%, getting like 10 shots up or something ridiculous yeah. like that, ridiculously high percentage. Um yeah, like even if the funny thing is people are talking about Bob Cousy versus CP3, like Bob Cousy is the kind of guy that birthed CP3. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the earlier version of CP3. Like Bob Cousy was a ridiculous passer at setting up his teammates and making everybody better. He was an integral part in the fact that the Boston Celtics won those 11 rings. So yeah, man, it's it's ran the fast break like no other. Yeah, yeah. The Wizard of Westwood. The Wizard of Worcester, mm-hmm. I think. Wizard of Worcester. 
Yeah, he's actually, you know, he's from Worcester College, right? Worcester University. <laughs> I'm not. That. I like, you did not know Bob. Yeah, Bob Cousy's from Worcester. He's the greatest wow. player ever to play at Worcester for sure. He's an Ohio guy. Yeah, but he didn't go to Ohio State, which is surprising. Because ah, John Lucas did. was the school then. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so do you have any other takeaways before we wrap this puppy up? Um, Not a takeaway, but I did just want to have a quick um tidbit about, you know, what happened in Buffalo. Um, just wanted to say, you know, RIP to all those lost lives out there, all those lost souls. Um, we as basketball addicts, you know what I mean? We, we, it's all about love. Hate never wins. Um, you know what I mean? We can all exist together. We don't have to have such racial discrimination and prejudice and hatred toward one another. Um, love me like I love you. Look at me and Jason, you know, like we, it's possible to close this. Jason was my best one is one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. Ditto. So, you know, we just want to say, you know, our condolences to the families of those people who lost their lives in Buffalo. Yeah, I uh, I definitely would agree with those condolences. I, I, I think anything like that happens, man, it's it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing in our society where um, things like that still linger. It's it's it, it's really yeah. just truly sad. Um, you know, it's just the reality of the world that we live in. Some people are just off the rockers sometimes yeah yeah but love wins in the end so yeah yeah oh <laughs> so off of a sad note sorry about that <laughs> that's all of me i just felt like we had to address that, that mm. that's like you know that was something recent it was is it impacts all of us whether we acknowledge it or not mm -hmm. but we have come to the end of our podcast. Thank you all for listening. I'm sure Jason has something for us. Is it hey, we're trying to help help us try to reach our goal of having a, a, a more reviews on our podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those things of those nature. It really helps us grow. Really helps us get recognized. Um, we're really striving to give you guys the best content possible. Um, you know, if you're coming from the TikTok side of things, you're a new follower, you're a new listener, we really appreciate you. We were going to keep you on this journey here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's, it's, and we really appreciate those things and it's, it's going to be a great time. Heard it here first.